Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We make a break for the Swiss border this week with John Sturgis's 1963 POW epic, The Great Escape. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yes, sir. And Nate. I'll be right back. I'm going to get wire happy. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, what'd you think? Nathan, you should go first. Yeah, the one who has never seen this. Had Uh, never seen this. uh, Set the tone. uh, Are you still trying to do shit? No, not at all. No, 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 no. No, I'm just punching keys. No, 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 no. You literally told Brian he could fucking start, and you're sitting there fucking disconnected from this entire thing. This is all getting cut out. So no, no, it's not. Um, no, just like waiting to escape from the camp. When will the podcast start? Yeah. Um. No, it, it was. Um, it's obviously been. Everyone was shocked that I had never seen this before. I've always seen clips of it off and on for the last pretty much. My it's only been out for sixty life. years. Yeah, it's only been been like my whole life. Um, and no, I mean, like I, I knew of clips, and I knew of context, and and kind of you know the 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 pop culture of it. But it was really interesting to see it all kind of played out, and. Um, it no, I, I liked it. I, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, like, it, it's nineteen sixties World War Two movie. I mean, we've seen enough of those to know what those are like. But this doesn't like egregiously have those tropes. I I'd have to say. But I mean, no. I mean, like, I thoroughly enjoy the character development and and all that kind of stuff and and the the every, all the all the pop culture references now make sense for the last fucking my whole life about you know the the world war Two and the hobby and all that stuff and it's just very interesting but no i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed it um but you know i don't have that nostalgia to it um yeah. which i know everyone else does um that's good though because like it, it's a different perspective so yeah yeah no i mean that, that i'm i'm not I I I liked it. Like I liked it a lot. It was cool. It was interesting. Um, I I noticed a lot of sixties things in it, which you know is it is sixties. Oh, yeah. But you know, we've seen a lot worse. <laughs> it's wildly um, entertaining, though. It, there's never a dull moment. No, no, and and it's really funny to like see all the actors that I like have seen in other roles and throughout my whole oh, childhood an all-star and everything cast. like that. Well, it's yeah, star cast. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's uh, um, uh, I, I can't remember who the American was. The I know it doesn't narrow it down. The the, the American guy. No, 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 no. The other one. The the one that. Um, uh, uh, Hentley. Uh, black black fuck. hair. James yeah, Garner. Uh, James Garner. Mm-hmm. The James Garner. That's yep. the actor. Yeah. Okay. He's I, been a lot what? of stuff. Yeah, like. He was yeah. in Tank. Was he in Tank? I can't yep. remember. I've seen him in ton of stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it's that guy," but he's actually young. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like actually that, and then like, uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, Jurassic Park. Um, Richard Attenborough. Yeah, no, I is told that his name Richard yeah, Attenborough. Yeah. yeah, 
I told my father that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he didn't believe. I watched it with my father, and he didn't believe me, and I had to bring it up, and he was like, "Holy shit!" Because I made the joke, I'm like, "He escapes, and then he makes a fucking Jurassic Park camp," you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's what you do. Well, like, well, like I was in a camp so long, he wanted to make one. I I I forgot because his son's David Attenborough, right? I don't know who his son is. Um, well, well, isn't David Attenborough like the nature dude? So. Wait, are they related? What? Oh my god! Aren't they? Um, I'm breaking the fourth right wall. I don't know. Fucking goddamn it! In the middle Google. of the podcast, Google search. Yeah, yeah. His brother is David Attenborough. Okay, it's a brother. Okay, oh. yeah. Because it's, wow. it's the same. It's the same name. I knew. I knew. I I thought Richard uh, was. I I didn't realize his last name was Attenborough. I knew it was something close to that, but I didn't realize it was exactly the same. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, that's semantics. Um, no, I mean like. I really liked. I also liked seeing the guy from Gangs in New York, or not Gangs. Fuck, not Gangs in New York. Uh, what's the thirty dude with the mustache? Was he always has gray hair that Brian always talks about? The the fucking the 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 the, the Brian talk, please, for the love of God. I need more context. Sorry, the, who is the, he in the, the movie? The, the fucking he's the taller Tommy, who's like who freaks Charles the fuck Bronson. Out. Charles Bronson. Yeah. yeah what, what, what's from Death that? Wish. Death Wish. Death, that's Death right. Wish Death Wish yeah. 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Ten right. years after this. Sorry, yeah, I thought it was. We're, we're off to a great fucking did, well, start, didn't, by well, the way. Didn't, well, didn't he have like a New York movie? Didn't he have like a titled yeah. New York in that? Uh, it's the, the same Death kind Wish of rendition movies. of Death Wish, or is I Death mean, Wish based in New York? Yeah, the, the first Death Wish is in New York. The third Death Wish is in New York. The second okay. one's in LA. Okay, okay. He's been, okay. He was in the mechanic. He was in a lot of stuff. Okay, well, I wasn't here for Flyboys to fucking throw you guys off. Like, you guys did that yourselves, so this is my turn to fucking go off the rails. Because, you know, you talk about video games in a fucking World War One, fucking mm-hmm. fly movie. You know, the one podcast, I'm not there. But, you know, it's fine. Um, well, fine. <laughs> if, I, if I can say, like, uh, yeah, every, every actor in this, it's like top of their game, you know, uh, in terms of their performance. Like, Charles Bronson, like, you know, went on to have kind of a kind of a, a stupid career, like, through the 70s and 80s, making these dumbass movies. But he's fucking awesome in this. You know, yeah, as, oh yeah. as Danny and, yeah. um, you know, uh, Richard Attenborough is mostly a director, but he's awesome in this, you know, as the guy who's in charge of the whole thing. Um, obviously, Steve McQueen is doing his Steve McQueen and that's fucking great. Um, yeah, it's like the, every every actor and the character they play, in my opinion, is like perfect in this movie. Yeah, it's incredible cast. The Germans don't seem like um just to compare it to something of something that we've kind of had similar stuff. I mean, Stalag seventeen, right? Isn't that the movie? Yeah, one of the yeah. early reviews. Right. The um, you know, you didn't have the kind of like dopey, the dopey kind of German, which was kind of cool, which was interesting because most of the time with those prison movies, you kind of get like this Abbott and Costello routine of slapstick, yep. and um, you know, I know, I know, you guys have talked about in verbatim in the past about how. The Great Escape kind of set the tone for X, Y, and Z to kind of kick up a notch. Like same thing, like with platoon, uh, platoon, and all that kind of stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I mean, you know. Anyway, um, in terms of you guys, I mean, like I was texting Mike B and saying, like, "Hey, has it held up?" And right. I'd like to launch you into that. So, what, you, what, how's it held up? Um. So the last time I saw it was like. A while ago, like between six and eight years ago, I don't remember. Um, and it does hold up. It is still really good. <clears throat> kind of what Mike A was saying is like the acting, like the acting in this is on a different level than you can expect from any film 
from that era or nowadays. It's just the acting was so fucking good because the writer and the director, it was it was kind of like a, a Coen Brothers thing where they're, they're like, you're not going off the script. This is what it's written. This is what we've researched. This is what you're going to say. This is how you're going to act. This is what it's going to be done or what's going to be done. And they did that like through the whole thing. And like they actually based the uh the out or, or I'm sorry the um the the outline of the camp and like the design of the camp off the original that they were basing it off of it wasn't in Germany we'll get to that in a second but like they did so much fucking research in the late 50s and early 60s which is very hard to do there because you have to go to libraries you have to, you have to go to archives you have to go to different countries and all that shit they did this research while writing the script and everything they wanted to get it as close as possible to what actually went down. Okay. And it's like, for those guys to do that at that point is very impressive. And they still like throughout the, you know, entire set, like they were shooting and everything. They stuck with that. No, nobody's improvising. This is the script. Bam. And, it was very, there was a documentary that I saw like a couple of years ago and I can't fucking find it. I've been trying to find it to rewatch it, but like, um, yeah, it just showed like how absolutely insanely meticulous that everybody in the producers, the director, the writer, they all were about getting it absolutely correct. And I respect the hell out of that. And so, they didn't get it 100% because there's a lot of things that we can talk about that were not the same as what this was. But this actually was based on an actual true story that they got from POWs who survived, people who worked near the camp, blah, blah, well, blah. From the book because it came out in the late 50s. And right, then... right. And that, so, but the book, like, that still was like they, they, they did that and they were like, okay, they interviewed as many people as they could. And they were like, what did this camp look like? And then they got the blueprints and all that shit. So, like, a, dude, it's like a, a very fucking nerd level of research that went into this at that time, which is very hard to do. And so that is so impressive to me, and I love that. And, again, I'll, I'll just a caveat is I've been watching this shit since I was, like, eight years old, right? I wore out the two fucking VHS box set we had that I acquired from my cousin. Uh, but like, um, I wore that, that shit out watching it so much and watching it through the years. I'm still like the, the older I get, the more I learn about this shit. I'm like, Oh wow. They really actually put as much detail and research into this as was possible at that point. And that's why I think it's so good. And stands the test of time. Brian. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I first saw this movie uh, like on AMC in the early 2000s as a kid, and it's just one of those things that sticks with you. You know, I mean, we all can trace back our interest in history to something. Like, for example, a friend of mine, um, his grandfather brought back a Luger. So when he was a kid, he would always go to his grandparents and see the Luger and hear the story about it, and that's what sparked his interest in you know, history. Mine was through movies, and my grandfather fought in the PTO, and my grandmother was in the ETO during the war. She was in Vienna. So I'd go to fucking these, you know, uh, reunions or whatever, and I'd hear like, oh, well, we killed the Nips on this island. And then my grandma would be like, oh, well, then I lost my house to the British. Like, so I, I had all the stuff. And then plus movies and everything, that's how you really get into it. 
So, you know, I love these 60s films like uh, Hells for Heroes, which is another great Steve McQueen movie. Um, Where Eagles Dare. There's just so many good ones they've made, you know, and not all of them held over time. But The Great Escape is this one that really, you know, everybody really reveres. Have, and, uh, uh, have you seen The War Lover? No, I haven't, actually. That okay. came up when I was looking into it, mm-hmm. and it's something I definitely want to see. Yeah, you know, Steve McQueen did a lot of military roles. It's yeah, interesting. It's, it's a yes. Really that. It's another Steve McQueen World War II film. Very, un, very a very unusual film. I've never seen any anything else kind of quite like it. This the stills are very interesting because I think he's a pilot or whatever. Is, yeah, so we like definitely have to. We'll definitely have to add it to that. But you know, and it's funny. Steve McQueen. He really didn't get his big break. Well, he got who's in the Blob, which is an hysterical That's his movie. First movie, yep. And then um, he ends up doing uh, his really big first break was the Magnificent Magnificent uh, the Magnificent Seven. You know, he was on a TV show, a Western TV show, I forget the name of it. It was like Wanted Dead or Alive or something. And that was a very, that was the usual way the guys would get, you know, into films back then. Like Clint Eastwood was on Rawhide forever. And then he ended up going on to, you know, bigger films and stuff. Um, but Steve McQueen, just going on a tangent, is very interesting because as a kid, he was really bad. He was a bad juvenile. He stole cars. He did all this crazy shit. And he literally got arrested. And the judge was like, you can go in the service or you can go to prison. And he went to the Marine Corps. And he said it changed his life. And, like, he, you know, had responsibilities for his actions, and it changed things, and it put him on this path. And it's really interesting to know that, because if you ever see him with weapons, especially in Hells for Heroes, I think, that's his best gunplay. Like, you know, he knows his way around a grease gun. He knows his way around this shit. And so it's it's interesting how that came into it. So you really see his military bearing come out a lot. But, no, it's a really good movie, and they, they did everything they can, you know, to make it as correct as they can. They don't get everything that they get in the book. I mean, you can never get everything from the original source material, and I highly recommend that you read the book. It's not only really good, but it's a really good read. It's written very well. Um, so 100% listen to it or check it out if you haven't. Like, it's you're really missing out if you haven't. Um, but on top of that, what's interesting is that one of the actors who's pretty famous was actually a navigator, I believe, in the RAF during the war, and he was shot down, and he ended up in a POW camp. Do you guys know which actor that was? Donald is, Pleasance. Uh, yeah, it's Donald Pleasance, yep. right? Yeah. That was Donald Pleasance. Yep. And people, he's been in a bunch of stuff. People will probably recognize him more from uh, Halloween because he plays, you know, the doctor trying to find yeah. the uh, kind of like thing. Charles Bronson. He was another actor who kind of petered off into like shitty B movies later in his life. Yeah, you know, um, he had a very interesting filmography, and he did it until the '90s and stuff. But yeah, just it's funny. A, a lot of these guys just fade out. You know, they, they never just uh, they have their heyday and then that's it. But. uh yeah, so it's interesting that he was on set, you know, and he he fucking lived through the camps, so he had a lot of things to add to it and things. Um, but no, it's it's such a good film, and I'm really glad that we're doing This is also our 50th episode, which is cool, so we wanted to do a big one for our 50th, and uh, yeah. But no, we can get into it later, but I don't know. It's There's so many good things about the, this film. Um, the motorcycle scenes with Steve McQueen are excellent. I mean, they're so well executed, and there's so much stupid shit that I love about it, like... For example, when Steve McQueen, like, he's, he gets to a point on his bike and then he fucking takes the cap off and shakes the tank to, yeah, to see how much he has gas left. he has. Yeah. That's classic don't, you know, a show don't tell. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's just so fucking cool. And, uh, yeah, and it's funny. Since I watched this last time to now, I now have a bunch of World War II motorcycles and I have a German one I'm restoring. So I watched the film and the first thing I did was go down and play with it. And I was just like, fucking, I'm Steve McQueen. But it's such a good fucking movie and it just holds up so well. But. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of details that are, uh, once that, once the escape happens, it's funny, there is not a lot of dialogue in the movie and kind of like what you say, show, don't tell. And, uh, 
that stuff is gets really interesting in my opinion where you see what like how they make germany look and all that stuff one thing that i think is as i've always thought was really interesting uh they never they never mention it but for some reason uh uh bartlett and mcdonald are disguised as french civilians not germans so that's that's really interesting I just thought that's that's just interesting how like when he's being when the Gestapo is looking at his papers he's like oh Francais and he's like we oui. and it's, so it's like it's interesting that instead of trying to pass as German civilians they're passing trying to pass as French civilians just a there little detail s- there were so many you know, guest workers as they called them I believe around the Reich at the time you know it was very common to run to the poles to Russians to French to Italian I mean smattering of Europe all over Germany or whatever because, you know, they, they needed the war workers. So, you know, being a Brit, being a Frenchman kind of makes sense because you're not going to – that's a very hard accent to hide. If you have Cagney or like a Jordan, whatever, if you have a very specific British accent, you, it comes out if you speak French. So, you know, masking your identity in something like that helps. It's like, you know, the, the Gorlami from, uh, you know, Glorious, uh, Glorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. You know, it's like we all can't pull off certain fucking accents and shit. Mm-hmm. So – but, but if you hide yourself from that. What's cool, though, is also during all those scenes, they never put subtitles in, you know, when they're, like, you know, asking about their papers. And they have it actually right, in, in right. German and French, but they don't put subtitles. Because, I mean, it's, again, it's like showing, don't tell. You just know kind of what's going on. You don't need subtitles, you know. Or, like, the part where, like, they stop Bartlett, and he's like, you are English. And he's, like, talk to him, like, what? And you just know that he's able to uh, bullshit his way through it. Go ahead, Brian. Good luck. Thanks. You know, <laughs> the subconscious is what always gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, they say one of the best ways to find a real spy is to punch is you punch someone as hard as you can because it's incredibly hard to stop that inf- that reflex of you swearing in your native language. You know, so there's very little things that you, you basically can't hide of your nationality. So it, yeah, stupid shit always gets you in the end. I remember there was a random story where they found it like an East German spy or something because the way he held his flowers. And it was a way that they did it in a certain part of the world that we don't do in the West. You know, and it's like certain things like that. Again, you can't unlearn. It's just the subconscious. And that's like really quick before we get off this tangent, I'm going to go on the tangent a little bit. Inglorious Bastards, he actually did good research on the like how the, you know, this is three. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like holding up, uh, counting a certain way. Just little things like that. Because, like, your accent can be good, right? But it's, like, it's not enough to know the accent. It's enough. You have to, you have to fucking know. Cocanium. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> red red heat. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Like, yeah. Cocanium. It's, it's, it's very hard to hide those subtle things, and that's the difference between a spy that's and a co- master, you know? Um, yeah. Hey, Brian, do you know who else was a, not World War II, but a combat vet? No. James Garner. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Well, so was... Uh, so, he, was so in, was he was in Korea. He Charles, was an infantryman. Charles Bronson was in World War II. I think he was yep. in the Navy, if I remember correctly. Charles Bronson? Yeah. I hmm. could be getting that wrong, but... I think he was in the Army. Yeah, yeah. I think... I thought hmm. it was that. But James Garner was in Korea. He got two Purple Hearts, um, and he was an infantryman in <laughs> Korea. With the 24th. Interesting. Hmm. It's funny yeah, it's when crazy. you it's funny when you look at old movies back then how many actors were in the war because just the war was so huge so you know well like when we did the longest day and I can't remember his name but there was the one actor who uh, for the Oxen Bucks he was like the paratrooper major in charge of the uh, Pegasus Bridge operation and he oh, was um, he was a part of the Oxen Bucks during the war Richard Todd like there was yeah. 
Yeah, and there was a guy playing him, but he, he had a bigger yeah. role. So it was funny. Like, yeah, he was part of the operation. You know, mm-hmm. just happened to be. So Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, a lot of these guys, um, I don't know, the, the, the performances in this film were fantastic. Like, I don't think you can get, you can get much better than that. I really don't. Um, because it was, it was so like just real and it didn't seem scripted, even though it was heavily scripted and there was no deviation from that. So Nate, uh, just to follow up, uh, Bronson was in, uh, army air force, uh, mm-hmm. as a B 29 aerial gunner. Okay. Oh shit. I know that, uh, I think yeah. Ernest Borgine was in the Navy. That's what I might be mixing it up with. Yeah. He did. He did. McHale's he was Navy in McHale's right? Navy. He he, yeah. uh, <laughs> he flew twenty five missions and received a Purple Heart. That's twenty so. five. Oh, he, he did a missions. Twenty five. Wow. Jesus Christ! Well, as a standard. fucking as a gunner. Yeah, aerial gunner. That's that's what it says on his uh, on the bio thing I found. God damn, dude. That's that's hardcore. I mean, that twenty five missions in the Second what? World War. Wasn't he in? Um, was he in the good and the bad and the ugly for like no. five seconds? Oh uh, no, you're thinking of Once Upon a Time in the West. Maybe that no, with, the, with, with, yes. with the harmonica. Yeah, that's Am a great I, scene. Is that is that what, what which movie is that? Charles Bron- I, no, I don't think that's Charles Bronson. Um That's no, he is in Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, not not the good, the bad, right. and the ugly though. He's not in the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Okay. He's not in any of the spaghetti westerns, no. Okay. Because Clint Eastwood was like, I'm out. Well then who's they the had the to replace him. Who's, who's so. the harmonica one? What am I thinking of? That's you're thinking of the same thing. Okay. And when he takes the harm, because he's a kid in the beginning of it, and right, it's a spoiler, yeah, yeah, that's that's, yeah, once yeah, upon, yeah. that's once upon a time in the West. Yeah. Okay, that duel you. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, that's probably one of my favorite scenes of, of ever been shot ever. Just the, oh my god, this is like magnum opus of fucking you know, westerns. All right, I'm just gonna say this because I'm guilty of it too. Let's stay on track. We're getting to do the yeah. fucking <laughs> Taguchi shit right here, and this but, is uh, not something we should do that on. And we do it every podcast. But uh, no, it's it's just a great movie, you know, and um, well, it's all around. Yeah, um, talking about like all the because the, there's so many characters and and stuff like that that just that make it. Um, the uh, I like the German characters too. I like the the prison commandant, you know, the von Luger. The fact that I mean, he's it, when when the the get the news about people being about the prisoner being killed, he's like legitimately broken up about it. You know, right? And I was telling Brian yesterday we were talking and. The thing I was telling you about earlier, Michael, mm. <clears throat> you may have noticed this, but like on Von Luger, mm-hmm. he's got a World War One uh, on his ribbon rack. Yep, right? I noticed that. He's got an Iron Cross with the fucking uh, clasp, right? Mm-hmm. He's got an Iron Cross first class with the clasp. Okay. He's also got a fucking blue max around his neck. I noticed that too. Actually, I didn't know. I don't know what that is, but I, it, it I look different. So what is yeah, that? I, that I, it, I, yeah, I noticed they, that. But it's I didn't basically know like it was. the World War One German version of the Medal of Honor or the Knight's Cross with like oak leaves and clusters. Oh shit! Yeah. So this guy, he was a flyer, more than likely, right in the Air Force. He shot down um, James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Um, but yeah, like this guy is a badass. And now he's, for whatever reason, like, you know, in charge. He's the commandant of the prison camp. Yeah. But the, the most badass prison camp, because you got all the, uh, like he said, the rotten eggs in one basket. Like, you got all these guys that have escaped multiple times. They don't know what the fuck to do with them, so it's a new camp. But he's the one that's put in charge of this. And it's like, okay, he's a colonel. Not, not a rank to fucking sniff at, but, like, also, 
you know, not that high. So, like, maybe he just kind of stopped giving a fuck at a point. Who knows? But, like, it's like he's in charge of this prison camp. Yeah. And he's going to make goddamn sure that everything goes well. Go I know ahead, that uh, we touched on this in Stalag um, 17, but there were these Lufapa camps that were set up just for flyers. Yeah, These guys were treated better, you know, and it was the Stalag Luf system, you know, yeah. the, the air camps, basically. And uh, this was just, you know, the highest, I guess you take maximum security one, you know, or at least an attempt to do that. Um, but it's very interesting, you know, because in the late 40s, 50s, and early 60s, you have all these POW films, you know, and the two well-known ones are Stalag 17 and this one. Um, but like, uh, what, oh, A Man Escaped is probably my favorite one. It's a late 50s French noir film. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's an incredibly realistic film. Like, this is a great campy journey about allied guys like yeah trying to escape and yeah from a Lufthansa camp so it's not like you know some of the the worst German camps everybody knows about you know they guys are treated pretty good and they're able to get away with it but then when you watch you know a man escaped and he's in a fucking Gestapo prison and they show what a Gestapo prison's like you know like fucking Alcatraz on steroids well they, like, they, alluded, they alluded to that with Roger you know yeah a little bit yep. he just came out of there and like you know okay well, well you fuck up one more time you're done yeah, they do show. Um, I don't know if it's technically a Gestapo camp, but once they're all being rounded up after being recaptured, they're at that SS camp, and it's like mm-hmm. a it's it looks like a dungeon. You know, it's well, a, no, it's it's yeah. a castle. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's like a, a big a big building they would have. Yeah, that that, that it's actually very accurate. Right. Colditz was the famous one from the war where they kept all the British high ranking officers. They kept Sterling there from the uh, LRDG and everything, um, and that was literally a castle. And like you can't see it from a castle, even though guys didn't try to. One guy built a fucking glider in the attic. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So, of all these, you know, the Lufthansa camps were better. There was a, it was a place you wanted to be, you know, if you were, if you could lie, cheat, or steal to get there, you did. <laughs> well, that's what it was alluded to, is like, hey, just do your thing. You'd be provided with gardening tools, this and that. The food is whatever, but, like, we don't have food either, so. But we're going to get food. Um, just sit out the war as comfortably as possible. And there was a whole society um, of, you know, ways to get these guys out of the camps or give them means to get out of the camps. Like, for example, a lot of the uh, first aid kits or the, the Red Cross package that they sent would have fake buttons with compasses and escape aids. That was a very big thing that they did during the war to try to supply these guys with. And there mm-hmm. also was very big organizations, especially in France and the Western uh, European countries, to help these guys get out. And I never there was a rule where if you were a flyer and you got out, there was like probably, I think, 5 to 10% of the guys that were shot down actually did escape during the war and mm-hmm. got back to England or Italy or stuff. You were not allowed to... They were kept you in quarantine for six weeks so that all of your information wouldn't matter and you were not allowed to talk about who helped you get out. Um, I have this great memoir yeah. from a guy who actually, he did end up escaping. Uh, it, was a, it was a name for the operation, and he was part of the... Uh, whatever Air Force was out of Italy, foggy Italy... He ended up getting shot down over in Yugoslavia, and like Tito's partisans helped him get out and stuff. And they literally like flew him out in a C forty seven and stuff. And he was sworn to secrecy about it. He's like, "Well, if they know that we're doing this, then they're going to kill the operation." But there was a very big um, part of you know Europe that was helping. Even my grandmother admits she grew up in the you know in Vienna and then outside of Vienna for a while. There were three Americans that showed up their flyers and they kept them in their barn overnight. And she said, I hope they made it. No idea. But literally, they just spent a night in their barn and they were not sympathetic to the Germans. They were Austrians. Gets a fuck. So, you know, there's a lot of these stories. So, you know, 
guys trying to escape is bigger than what I think people realize. You know, it's like you want to escape. Like that one guy they show who ends up killing himself because he, he can't take it anymore. You know, there's only so much you can deal with living behind barbed wire and walls. Well, and also this location in real life was not in Southern Germany. It was in, um, it was where just South. It was where Poland is now. Right. Right. It's, it's South of where, uh, Celestia, they call it or something. No, it, it's, it's South of a uh, Breslau or what they call it or Volklau. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, pr- I'm pronouncing that wrong. You Polish guys, I'm sorry, I don't speak Polish. Bart's driving to your house to shoot you. <laughs> Bart will, because that's, that's where Bart's from. But, like, um, <clears throat> no, it was just south of there. It was not that close to Switzerland or France, much less. You know? No. Um, it, uh, well, yeah, so, I mean, I get why they did this for the movie. They have all this, like, Bavarian-looking stuff, these rolling hills and these, you know, farmhouses with terracotta roofs and stuff. But, uh yeah, like in reality, it would have been in like real drab, you know, eastern <laughs> looking areas. A lot of pine trees. Right, yeah. Um, and also, yeah. the actual escape happened, I think, in the middle of winter. So it was like yes. fucking ice that they had to chisel through to, to get through. It was and stuff early like 44. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, what, do you, does anyone know, off the, uh, by doing a deep dive at all, uh, where they filmed this? They, I think they filmed this in, in southeastern Germany. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm, the, I'm pretty sure. I know a lot of the actual, like, but once they escape, that is actual, like, German locations and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. the, the buildings in the air and the local area remind me a lot of, um, oh, shit, uh, the, 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 the musical with the woman singing in the field. What the fuck? Sound of Music. Sound Thank music. you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was in Austria, but hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there are parts of this once they escape where it looks like you know Grand Budapest Hotel, where it's it's just like you know these very Bavarian looking places. Well, that's that's what Central Europe looks like. like Houston, Bavaria, looks like that too. Hamburg for railway scenes. Yeah, they filmed it all in Bavaria. Uh, again, that's 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 one of the benefits. I mean, that's the one thing about the the sixties and the seventies movies is that I am I am constantly blown away by the amount of like filming. Uh, location, play area, things they could get, things they could, you know, find, things they could set dress and get. Like, you just can't see that anymore because of how developed the world is in certain yeah. areas. Yeah. And it's it's very, it's really cool to, like, see Steve McQueen ride a motorcycle through a field and there's barely anything really there. Right, right, You know, right. it's just like, and the fact that they could set dress a whole entire field with barbed wire and, you know, fencing and yeah it's just that that stuff is never lost on me with with these older movies it's really really cool in that sense there's the one scene where he gets the motorcycle uh with the piano wire yeah that's a great scene but like in reality you fucking cut that guy down i was gonna say i I wouldn't uh, have would have come off (laughs) well no because the way he does it like goes for his chest because but long story short it would have been a lot it would have been fucking brutal yeah oh yeah pg-13 yeah, and a lot of blood. A lot of and just blood. go off on a tangent with this. So a lot of the vehicles are a period and everything. I mean, um, but the bike, especially that uh, Steve McQueen is riding, is a 1962 Triumph English motorcycle. And that's because he had a deal with Triumph at the time. So oh. people that like want to make replicas of the Steve McQueen bike for the movie, they buy 1960s Triumphs and paint them OD or paint them uh, Felgrau, wow. which is funny. But in the beginning of the film, they have some original German NSUs and a BMW or two. The planes um, in it, none of the planes, I don't think, are German. I think the trainer is right. I got to look it up. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, they have the whole airport scene where it's all like the you know the trainers and shit. Yeah. 
Um, but so that was the one thing that my father pointed out that I thought was interesting. So they have the scene, spoiler, where, you know, they run out of gas or whatever and they crash the plane, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, the forger gets shot, you know, from far away. My father was like, if you see a friendly plane crash in a friendly field, like, wouldn't you drive up to it to see if the German pilot's still alive? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> and I was like, I never thought about it like that. He's like, yeah, why are they shooting him? Like, they've got a swastika on it, and they're German. Well, the, 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 yeah. the, okay. So, you can't tell everybody, like, within 30 minutes. You can't tell everyone, but, like, you yeah. know. We're it, pulling it, Mike's baby apart. Pulling. <laughs> no, I mean. You're not pulling my baby. It's not my no, baby. No, I, I'm, just, I'm joking. Go with a Farby sniper rifle. You're not fucking joking. You're being fucking serious, and I fucking hate you, Nate. Every time. Take your fucking old bay hat Every off, time. You fucking clown. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, no, but like, also they would have they would have been notified. I think in the area, but also they covered a lot of ground. So I, it's uh, like, yeah. I think it knows? was implied that maybe. I mean, I don't know how, but like, because right, right when they're taking off, it shows the guys in the in the tower like calling on the phone, making calls, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, may, I think it might have been. A radio, I think it maybe it was implied that they were being tracked or something. But uh, I mean, that would be hard over all those mountains and the, shit. The, that's the thing is, like, they covered so much ground, but like maybe, like, yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Whatever. But yeah, th- that's a valid point. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you whenever you see a plane crash, do you run up and start shooting the people to get out of it? I mean, you know, um, just, just saying. Well, but if you see somebody through a scope or binoculars with civilian clothing on coming out of a German plane, and you just just Why realize... Why is there a guy that, with a random sniper rifle in the middle of the field? Okay, well, you can argue that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I love the film, too, but it's just a, it's a very quick plot Oh, device. no, I, I mean, know yeah, why they like, did it. There's yeah. a lot of shit wrong with the film. There is. Mm-hmm. I don't care. All the MG3s they use. So <laughs> <laughs> the MG3s? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. The rate of fire is cut in half. Uh, and you can tell and by they the, filmed the, it in Germany. But isn't isn't there a isn't there a rear sight thing with that too? Yeah, you, that's a Yugo. Okay. The anti Yugos don't have anti aircraft sight mounts on the top of no, the The MG three, like you could tell also what the rounds like when they're actually doing blank fire or mm-hmm. live fire, as they call it in the film. Um the the rounds are not they're not eight millimeter. They're they're short. Mm. Mm. So I just so. looked up the airplanes. Yeah, it says uh, all the planes on the airfield are American AT-6 Texas trainers. Uh, there you go. Mocked up with oh, with, that's Texan tra- Yeah, mocked up with, t- uh, with with Balkan Kreutz. But I think the plane they fly though, that's a that's not a Texan. It says sure. though right no, here. It says suck. it says uh, the all. The, however, the plane that they steal is an authentic uh, German Bucker Bu One Eight One Bestman. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's Texans on the airfield. Uh, Texans suck because they're really loud, and they were they were modified into a lot of things. They modified a lot of Texans into um, uh, vowels for Tora, Tora, Tora. Mm-hmm. And actually, those are still flying around the country. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, you got to do what you could do. But the, the plane they were in it looked, reminded me of an M, uh, what is it, ME-108, which is the trainer version of the 109. Um, mm-hmm. But it was at least cool they had a real German. I mean, this is the only film like, I think of. Battle of Britain uses Spanish planes. But that has a real German plane in it. Uh, they crashed you know? the fuck out of it. I mean, because you. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, I wonder how they shot that. You know, it's like on a catapult or something, or I don't know. Not good. All practical. Yeah. But yeah. We're gonna make some aviation story and cry. Let's hit it. Let's smash into a tree. <laughs> yeah, if we're doing technical shit, um, the helmets. For the Germans, pretty good, but the decals... The decals are fucked. Yeah, when, the, the, right when they show up in the movie, I'm like, ooh, that's not and, good. But they got some of them, right? They got some of them, some right? Some of them, yeah. Some of them you are notice. doing this, though. Like, it's... 
some of them are like thimble, oh yeah thimble heads. yeah they, they, had, they had two small yeah. helmets and they're yeah. just like yeah just deal with it did you yeah. notice the different color for the Luftwaffe helmets compared to the SS guys and everything? And um, it was very subtle, but I thought it was very cool. It, well, the Luftwaffe color was not good at all. It was like light gray. It was, it was it, well, that was blue. It was too blue, but it still was nice to see like somebody cared enough to be like, "Well, wait no, a minute, dude." They were they were mostly like light gray. The Luftwaffe helmets. Uh, they well. were like shiny and like light gray. Even on the forty twos that they had. They were shiny and light gray, and it's like no. I'm I'm glad uh, Baby Shrek made an appearance in this film too. <laughs> the guy from Kelly's Heroes. Which one is that? Wait, who? The oh the yeah, the, the tank commander. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the German yes. guy. Yeah. yeah, the SS guy at the end. Baby yep. Shrek. Yeah. Your hands. <laughs> your German is very good. Mm-hmm. Also, I hear your French. French. Your hands up. Your arms up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, exactly. But yeah, no, he's yeah, he's he's in this, which I laughed because all I could hear was me saying "Baby Shrek" from last time. Baby Shrek, <laughs> that's funny, Nate. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sometimes, it's, sometimes I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in terms of like cinematography, I mean, other than the the 1960s shots that were kind of you know the obvious wide and all that kind of stuff, it, it was um, it seemed like you know a lot of uh, stage, you know obviously set dressing and stage stage camera work but you know it doesn't it's not aged like it, it doesn't age uh badly for what it is um and the cool thing is like having those set dressings on the outside of the prison's uh hut things are, are really it's really interesting i like how they've how they were able to uh doctor those up and make them look really good the like most artistic shot that i saw that i liked was kind of random too is when they have they're singing and they have the Dutch shot of like the guy, you know, leading the singing, and it was like just very strangely framed. Cavendish, for, you know, for the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah. you know, it was just like I, with the the slant of the roof and like the way that the angle was. I was like, that's strange. Oh, are that. you talking about when like the 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 roof was moving? Like no, the, when they're the, when they're doing the singing they're doing and, the and choir. Uh, they're getting all the the boards out of the beds. Oh, okay, yeah. I, think, I thought maybe yeah. I thought maybe the, the it was roof. like Dutch, and I'm like, why did you have to Dutch that? Like, I, it's, it's no reason to. Yeah, I, I I thought the roof was moving because they removed too much wood off the top. But there's that that, dirt, that yeah. the, he says that they're storing dirt in the attic. Right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they did remove too much wood. That's why it was bowing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so. it's it's um, it's funny. it's interesting though, like. The, uh, the again, talk going back to the details, stuff like that, showing all of these little uh, ingenuities that they have to do, like their little shovels they have in there are cans that have been cut diagonally, um, which I think is just fucking awesome. And then, like, yeah, I mean, all of the wood that they're having to take from the huts in clever ways where people aren't going to see it, and you know, just I mean, there obviously there are no nails or anything; they just have to kind of set it up in there, you know, and hope for the best. But uh, go ahead, Nate. Uh, the, the other thing I was going to say is that, um, uh, oh, fuck God, my head today. Jesus yeah, Christ. Like, is this free between the lines? It, no, no. I was holding up my hand to get, and then the fleet went out of my head. Oh, there it is. Um, a lot of, the, a lot of the things was, uh, I wanted to do a callback again to Stalag 17 where Brian had said, uh, Brian had mentioned, I think it was that there were a lot of details that you can really only get from the memoirs of the men who were there. And I, I think this also reflects that as well. There's a lot of little things in terms of, you know, the the items they used, the items they modified, the ways they were doing things, the way they procured things, um, the way they were uh, hiding things and kind of going about it. 
obviously it being a true story or basing it off of a true story it you do see the references of all that stuff within the film as well and i i think that really is also still remains really cool the fact that other films uh try to hit that detail mark again i think that bringing a call back to master and commander where the details really matter i think in that field i think they really nailed it yeah and um and there's a lot in this to, to put, i mean i love the uh you know the the air system where they have that that thing to do this you know to pump the, the bellows air. yeah the bellows to yeah. pump the air into the whole thing go ahead brian so one thing that was very interesting to me and i think i brought this up before when we watched the grand illusion so the grand illusion comes out in 1937 and it's an amazing film about World War One guys trying to escape, you know, from a German prisoner of war camp. And there's one thing that they have in that that they have in this. And I read the book, and, like, it has to be the same. But in the movie, The Grand Illusion, the way they hide the dirt is the exact same way yep. that they hide the dirt in this film. Yeah. And knowing British high society and knowing officers and knowing things like that, there's no way that – like, you know, one of those guys did not see that movie and the six years preceded this event and was like, put the dots together. It's just crazy that two years before the war came out, there's a movie that's like, this is how we tried to break out of a camp. And then they use those exact same things during the war to break out of a camp. Like, that's too much of a correlation in my mind. Or like, well, it's that also, film had to have an influence in some sure, way. Sure, it could have, but like, it's also common sense because like the dirt that they're digging up, I'm not, I'm not just discrediting at all what you said, but like, even if, let's just say, nobody would have seen that or known about that film. Nobody saw it in the camp. Common sense would be like, hmm, okay. So the dirt we're digging up below ground has got a lot of moisture in it. When it dries, it'll look the same. So we need to mix it in and then get it in the sun so it dries. But, like you said, it was already done in the Grand Illusion. So there's a really Literally, good chance. You know? Yeah, there's a really good and chance. And they were in so many different camps. I mean, come! You tell me that a French flyer that you know was in a camp didn't know about that and tell it to an English guy that told it to you know like it's just fascinating that you know right. And I'm, right I'm saying there. even without any knowledge, like it'd still be common sense, just like it was in the First World War. It's like, well, you know, so it's like, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it happened one way or the other. But like, that's one of those things. Like, we'll never know because we weren't there. You know? Yeah. Or somebody didn't remember to write it down. So this is how we right. did it. Exactly. You know, X Y Z. Yep. You know. Exactly. But. Yeah, no, just so many little details in it that are great, you know. I'm trying to think of... From the guy writing 17 for his tunnel to, like, you know, yep. they have to use the special shit to move the stove out of the way. I mean, it's just... It really just show life in a camp. And, you know, SOG-17 does a good job of it, you know, but it's more campy. And it was really funny when we reviewed the film and we put that out there on the internet and stuff, and so many people were mad at us because we were using the original poster. And the original film, SOG-17, was you know, marketed as a comedy. And right. because right. everyone that's really seen it didn't watch it in the theaters in the late 40s, they've only saw it on TCM and stuff. They're like, that's not a comedy. That's a serious Even movie. Even though it totally like, is. Yeah, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Read the fucking marketing deal. Like, let's conceptualize yeah, this like yeah, everything, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you watch it just yep. out of the blue, it's like you're going to get an opinion. But, like, look at all the fucking posters. Why do they say it's a rack? It's, you know, it's a, it's a comedy. Like, because that's what well, it was just watch the it's fucking Hogan's heroes. Just yeah, watch Hogan's the movie Hero. too. It's definitely a comedy. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you know, it's like the it's Russian a dark comedy. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. You know? yep. It's about guys trying to escape. You know, this hell. And this one is the, they're actually escaping. You know, like yeah, this one's a, so. a, a very much a drama. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it's like 
you know, the thing is, like, they're all, like, they all have this common goal. Like, they need to get the fuck out. And everybody plays their part. The guys that are singing to mask the sound of them making noise inside the building, they're still playing a part. They'll get out. You know, and it's like, and then, you know, I did like the part, too, where, like, Danny is, like, it comes up that he's, like, really claustrophobic. Yeah, that's, that was, that's a really interesting character trait. I love that, you know. And then once he comes out is that, and then he gets, like, you know, people notice that, then he's just like, okay, I can, I can just go with it, and it ends up fucking a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know? But it's like, did it? Because most of them got shot. Well, that, that, was, that was a problem that I remember from the book. There was an air raid, and they did have an issue, and they couldn't get more people out. and Because they wanted to get 250 out. And they also talk about, not really in the movie, but in the book, that, like, because it was spring of 44 it happened. I think it was March, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, the Germans put, like, 50,000 internal troops trying to look for these guys over the course of late March, early April of 44. And they're like, we kind of contributed to the craziness of Europe before the invasion. So, in a way, it tied up some German forces. No, it did. That that was the entire goal that was said through the film, is like we're gonna get two hundred and fifty out, and like then that's an insane amount of troops looking for them, and that they're not gonna be able to fucking whatever. And you know where that happened, like because once they escaped, like the timeline isn't necessarily clear of how long it took for them to because like so um, the Australian guy uh, Sedgwick, right? He's on a bike. He happens to get through. He gets to what we think is Paris. Even if you're in Bavaria, right? To get to Paris is a long fucking hike on bike. He gets on a train though. Right. For sure. But like, yeah, I mean like, but before that he was in a French town, like before that. Right. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm getting that correct. Right. I don't remember. It might've been afterwards. He was in that like French town. So maybe, yeah, maybe he hopped a train to Paris. Okay. Yeah, I think he did. Anyway, so he goes there, but, like, it's still a long way away. It's, like, a very, you know, it's, like, a fucking six, eight-hour drive on a train. And then you're in Paris, and then you're just kind of lollygagging around, doing whatever. You happen to get lucky, and people can get you to Spain, which he does, which is good. But it's, like, that whole process is not just going to take, like, two days. It's going to take weeks, and so that's why, like, that, it doesn't really, in the film, give us, uh, once they actually get out, it doesn't give us a timeline of, like, how long it took for them to round everybody up. Because it makes it seem like they're all rounded up in, like, a day or two. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. It never it's, says, it's very, it never really shows them, like, having to s- sleep in areas or anything like that after they get right. out or anything. Yeah. Um, uh but you know, I um, it's also never clear, like you know, within the the prison camp, how long it takes them to build these tunnels or anything like that. Well, it, it, it yeah, it, it shows like different time periods passing, but yeah, there's no a, clear. a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't show any like the Fourth of July and everything. Yeah, you get like a little bit. Right, of that. that scene. And is, I know in the go ahead, Brian. Sorry. No, no, that's a great scene. No, I want to talk about that. Yeah, no, it, that's really good, and it's you know, it's interesting because in the real Great Escape. It started with Americans and Brits digging, and then halfway through, they had a camp they were building next door that was like across the barbed wire from it, and they moved all the Americans into their own camp about three-quarters of the way through where the, where the tunnels were being built. So in reality, there were no Americans that took part in the actual escape, but 
American market and everything. You see McQueen, you know, whatever. Um, so the, the Americans literally went to their own camp next door and started digging their own tunnel. <laughs> you know, they, they could see the Brits through the barbed wire and everything. There was a separation, but it's kind of interesting. They kind of got screwed out of it, and they did help in the early part of it. Um, but, yeah, the, the 4th of July scene is great and everything. And uh, that's really the only thing that you see, like, where it propels time. Yeah. You know, um, or, or, like, pushes it along. That scene is interesting because it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's showing, because everyone else is British there, it's, it's showing this whole thing of, like, hey, you know, we have this history, but we can be friends, you know, and uh, work together, yeah. basically. Yep. Um, and uh, it's, it's hilarious, though. It's, like, fucking moonshine, and they're drinking it, like, first thing in the morning. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're, they're vodka. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fucking hicks, you know. And it's like, <laughs> I love that. It, it, well, no, it's not vodka. This is Everclear. What they made is Everclear. Oh, fermented, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's not, it's not diluted, you know. So it's like it's gonna be like ninety-seven percent alcohol, which is like drinking. It's like drinking fucking rubbing I mean, alcohol. It, it affects like their it affects their voices when they talk. <laughs> oh yeah, look. If you ever had Everclear, which probably none of you guys have, like, it's it's fun. You have Nate. Yeah, well, I I, I, uh, have you been to college? You probably had. It's been ten. It's been ten years, so I can. No, straight Everclear. Yes, straight Everclear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll say it very quickly. I, uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, this roommate I had, he was a complete schmuck. Fuck you. You know who you are. Um, And uh, he was being a twat, and he was like, "Man, he's like, oh yeah, I mix this with stuff, and it's really good." And I'm like, "Yeah, like give me that." And I pour a shot out, and I just go, "Wow!" Yep, yep. And he yep, and he, yep. he looks at me, and I and I'm like, "I can't show." I I take it, and you I can't show weakness. Instantly, yep. I knew I made a mistake. Oh, you fucked instantly. up big time. And yep. I just and I just went it's like, "Yeah, no, it's fine." He goes, "Wow, like damn, I can't do that." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, it's nothing." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, let me know when everyone kind of shows up." He's like, "Okay, cool." And I like open up my door and I close it and I lock it, and I then double over onto my bed just praying for death because it's just burning my insides like it, right it, it bur- like that's the thing is like whenever clear like that kind of alcohol like it's shown Ugh. in this film goes yeah. into your mouth it, it it makes your mouth feel like it, like you just drank hot tea plus yes. the burn of the alcohol like the actual like burning sensation like the pain and then you swallow it and then yeah it does fuck with your voice a little bit it's like yeah holy shit, you know, like, yeah. fucking Christ. Well, pretty much you're killing everything in your gut when you drop it down there, and then your gut's like, I don't like that. I'm gonna well, I used vomit. to, like, back in the day, I went through, a, I went through like, a three-week phase where I was drinking Everclear straight out of a bottle at parties. So I'm like, oh, it's more oh. cost-effective. And a bunch of older people were like, you're going to ruin your fucking body doing that. And then, <laughs> yeah, they were right. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's correct. like, that's like, it's like drinking like human safe Drano that just slightly burns through you. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really <laughs> fucked up. But like that's that's what I'm saying is these guys are drinking in this film. Yeah, is like because it's not diluted with anything. It's just straight no. up fucking alcohol, and <laughs> you get like three percent water in there, and then the rest Ugh. of it's all booze. And so you know the Brits when they go, oh fuck, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, hey, it'll make you feel a little bit warm for a bit, you know. It's yeah. if and, you were in that situation, though, you would have partaken. Oh, absolutely, yeah, you know. <laughs> but like, it's it, that's why they're reacting like that, and that's actually because I've actually heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, it's they're just drinking fucking vodka," you know. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not vodka. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't know pain until you do that. It's 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 the serious shit. 
They have nothing to dilute it with. They're not going to do it. They're just fucking giving it out. Yeah. And that's why, like, that whole performance of, like, everybody taking the drink, they go, everybody just goes, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it fucking hurts. It sucks. But, like, yeah. I like, and I like it. Yeah, Bartlett's like, he's like, the whole time I've been in here, this is the most shattering thing I've ever drank ever. <laughs> yeah. Know? This is the most, yeah, the most, what the fuck is the word to use? Like, this is the most... Something stuff I've had. Right, yeah, and he goes, it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's just shattering. And then McDonald's like, I think it's rather good. <laughs> yeah, it's just, no, 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 no burner. I think it's like, yeah, it's a true, true booze hound right there. But like, yeah, that that was a cool scene. And then you know, it's like they're all celebrating, and then like you can tell the Germans, they're in there and they're trying to look, and they can't quite fucking find it. Right, but they can they know something's up. Know something's up. They they find those two boards. They're like, what the fuck is this all about? Like, this is this isn't right. And then Werner, right, and that's why, yeah. And I think I think Brian mentioned this earlier. Like, it's not like the Germans are retarded, right. On this, on this film, they're actually very smart, and they're like they're playing the game better than most of these guys are, and they're trying. Like, it's a game, yeah. You know, the fact that he discovered it because Werner spills his coffee, and he's it mm-hmm. seeps through the tiles, and like, and he notices that though. Yeah, like, yeah. What what typical German soldier or uh, you know airman? would see that Mm -hmm. it's like so that says something about the guard force Mm -hmm. these guys are elite they do notice things and you know at the beginning like the first day that they're there the fucking pitchforks in there yep okay oh are you going out with the russians no you're not (laughs) (laughs) you know i like that part though a lot the that captain character the german captain guy he's like you know he's like when when the people when ives pops out he's like hold it for a second he's like He's like looking up his name. Oh yes, you know, and then he finds everyone else. He's like, I'm not gonna reprimand anybody, but you know, like it's it's only the first day. But and, and he says, uh, there's been a lot of stupidity on both sides. Both sides, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love yep. that. Yep, because it's true. It's like, yeah, it's you know, and that's like the first day. And then I'm sure they had briefings, and they were like, nope, this is the SOP now. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking do this this way. And you know, so it was like a back and forth, and like. Yeah, the Germans are not portrayed as like fucking idiots, no. which I like. Yeah, same here. Because they were not. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 weren't. Like these guys were really good at what they did, and they're like, yeah, these guys are the worst, of the worst, and you guys are the best of the best. That's why you're guarding them. Mm-hmm. I do love the uh, the entourage that he's always got. Those two guys, the really tall German guy and the short German guy. Oh yeah, he goes to the cooler. Mm-hmm. The, Every uh, fucking time. The guy with that really distinct face that always locks Steve yep. McQueen up. Yeah. Was there I didn't see any like egregious uniform stuff, but I don't know much about British Air British Air Force and all that other kind I of stuff. I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I don't know what the hell is that um blue and white I think that's like an RAF like service ribbon. I don't know, like a flyers ribbon. Yeah. yeah. The you know the diagonal one that most of them had. I know I know I know the uh the 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 colonel like the, the guy that walks with the cane, mm-hmm. the British guy, yeah, that's in charge of all them. I know he had a World War One victory ribbon on, so he was also in World War One, hmm. probably as a flyer. Um, yeah, I I wish I did know more about the British stuff because yeah, a lot of the a lot of them wear those like those brown battle dress uh, uniforms. Yeah, the British were okay. I mean, I'm not the best on it. Um, it's hard because there's so many multinationals that were there because there were Poles, there were you know Czechs, there were Brits, there were Canadians, there were Australians, and every every Commonwealth Air Force was a little bit different. So you know, but generally you know you have the the RAF blue is the tunic that they wore, 
So I'm not necessarily sure as well with the brown and everything. But generally, it was really good. The Germans were okay. They had a lot of four-pocket tunics, which is strange, because the German four-pocket Luftwaffe tunic is like what you wear and you walk out. It's like you're, you're going out tunic. I mean, they should be fliegers. And also, or the fleeger is the M40 fleeger. It's like a, it's your flight uniform or whatever, and everybody had them. Um, but, but if you're if you're if you're in garrison in that aspect, like mm, you, no, you be wearing a combat uniform. Why not? It's a utility. Not a combat uniform. It's a utility uniform. The fleeger uniform. Yeah. Mechanic. I mean, the other thing too is that all the guys inside the camp had black coveralls. You're on, talking about the thing. Okay, so okay. that's what I was going to ask you. Yes, that's what I was going to ask you. That was, was the completely black wrong. uniforms. Because yeah. I well, but they did they did research. I, I I'm not like saying oh they did research so they're right. They did so much research into the uniforms, and so many of them were okay. We can talk about that in a second. But like, what is up with the black coveralls? Basically, used goof off of mechanic coveralls, which were black, and then they just put. You're you talking know, about the the use. ferrets, the guys with the with the garrison yeah. yeah. caps on. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that that was. Yeah, they either. should all be wearing fleegers, in my opinion. The four, you shouldn't see any four pockets, and you shouldn't see any fucking black coveralls. That's stupid. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for you to have black coveralls. What are you working on? Fucking, what has oil? It's going to destroy your uniform. Um, well, did they, is so. there any, I know, I, know, I, I haven't done research on it, so I'm not going to fucking bitch about it, but like, um, have you ever done research on like, did they actually just have them wear those because they were black and like they would signify like authority? So, Nate, the one you sent, that has a four pocket tunic, but he's also an officer. So, if we're talking NTOs, and I shit, sent I mean, uh, that photo. Oh, that's what, oh, that's, I'm sorry, it's not me. The Michael, the one that you, you sent. You put this r- evil on me, Ricky Bobby. That, that photo. I click on links. That photo, Jamie. That photo I sent. The guy on the left is the actual Roger Bartlett. Um, his actual, no, yeah. the actual name was Bushel. But uh, and then uh, one of the Germans, yeah, in the center there is uh, at the camp. He's an officer. Yeah. You can see the silver piping on his M40 or his overseas cap, and then he's also got the big gulls. It's going to be like three or four with the oval leaf. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would make sense, whatever. But in reality, you, it's really only fleegers, you know. I mean, officers' uniforms are a little different. I, I'll, I'll amend that. But for enlisted men, I mean, you're not – are you going out? Are you going on a date? Like, no, you're, you're going to wear a work uniform because those are expensive. I love that blue color, though. The blue of blue is really mm-hmm. nice. They had the best-looking uniforms. Everybody's like, oh, the SS had – I was like, not a Luftwaffe. Mm-hmm. Better. Way better. The Luftwaffe has the best eagle. I'll give you that. Well, they had the best uniforms, I think. Like, the SS, okay, it looks like a bunch of, like, fucking... Somebody designed a dress uniform, which two German officers did. A four-pocket M40 is... You can live out of... You can't live out of a Flieger. So, Luftwaffe has the best... So, the, the Luftwaffe field divisions that use the army tunics with blue with Luftwaffe eagles, that's the best uniform for the war. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because the, the Flieger uniform like has the shittiest pockets in the world. It's like an M41 jacket. It's like you could yeah. fit like a pocket watch and a cigarette. Good, like, yay, I'm, I'm going to go fight the Russians now. Like, it doesn't really work out that well. But also, it, wasn't a, it was a tunic that was supposed to go under your coveralls and everything, you know, when you were flying. Mm. Because it's your right. flying tunic. I'm looking up photos of the actual Stalag Lift 3 right now. Oh, was it three? That's what the name of it was, the prison. Yeah, yeah, it was in it was in Poland too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it, well, it, it was Germany at the time, but it's uh, it's yeah. Poland now. Yeah, yeah. They moved the border back. It was not close to Switzerland. No, at all. Um, <laughs> That's the thing. Well, yeah. well, the funny thing too is that the Swiss were almost as bad as the Germans in some cases because they kept all the they shot down everybody and they kept all the flyers. 
there were some flyers that ended up in fucking insane asylums in in Switzerland during the war. It's really, really dark history that nobody talks about. And they they would also hold people at the border and be like, oh, okay, yeah, you made to Switzerland, and they would turn them over. There were a lot of operations, too, where the Allies bombed Switzerland by accident. Like, whoops, you know, because these guys get lost, they get blown off target, and the fucking European city is a European city. I mean, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Ireland did the same. I forget, there's a really cute short World War II movie or film where these uh, two guys are dogfighting and they get shot, they, you know, they both shoot each other down, and it's in Ireland, and they end up in the same POW camp. Because that's what they did in Ireland. They throw them all in the same lager. It's like, you're all enemies. Fuck you. Hmm. You know? We don't, we don't care about your nationality. Well, you know the Irish built the pyramids, right? Oh, completely, yeah. The Irish also saved the world after the Roman Empire ended, so <laughs> that's actually a true fact, though. Took me a second, and then I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So the fucking gears turning, the... <laughs> crashing yeah. into each other, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, grind it to a halt. Okay, so the uniforms, yeah, like, it's... Okay. Um, and the SS, the, like when they get out of the camps and they have all the other guys, I mean, they look great. The German soldiers, well, the SS uniforms, I mean, yeah. the, the SS and the army guys. I yep. mean, you know, the sniper rifles wrong at one point and some of the field gears wrong, but I mean, it, it looks good. I mean, it's not bad, you know, there, ill-fitting probably, but other than that, there's some interesting stuff at the train stations, uh, like the German police mm-hmm. that show up with the Gestapo. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The Hitler yep. youth kid. Yeah. Hitler he youth always kid. The, there's a girl, there. there's, yep. there's a girl from the Bundeutsche Mädel, um, that's, that's around mm-hmm. there. Um, and like some of the, con- the train conductors too, kind of have almost militaristic looking uniforms. So yep, that's, did. I have a funny story about that actually. So, um, in Europe, you know, there was a lot of civil service unions back then and you know civil servants dressed a certain way and that was very foreign to americans so this is one funny story later in the war where uh these gis are going through a town and there's word that comes back to this officer that we we captured a general we got a german general and you know these guys are bringing him in to question him and they're like oh wow that's that's strange so these two yokels fucking gis bring in this this guy that's scared for his life like shivering old like 45 year old man and he's a train conductor, and he has a very gaudy uniform, and he looks like a fucking general to an American soldier. And the guy is yelling, the train will be here at three! The train will be here at three! And this officer's like, what, what the fuck is going on? And it took a little bit of you know, talking to figure out that they captured a train conductor, and because of his civil servant uniform was so different, they thought he was a fucking general. <laughs> and if you, look at, if you look at fire marshal's uniforms, if you look, because it also, Third Reich is a dictatorship. Whenever you have a dictatorship, they, you know, they make the uniforms more militaristic. That was always yep. a thing. Kind of like North Korea today. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're going to look a certain way. So if you're from a di- different culture that doesn't have that and you put in, get put into this world, you're going to make assumptions. So these two fucking guys from Iowa scared the shit out of some really old World War I German vet at the end of the war. <laughs> That's funny. Because, <laughs> you know, um, we captured a general. <laughs> well, talking about, you know, uniforms, stuff like that, what's really interesting too, they, I mean, they, they, they have one scene dedicated to it, but... The interesting thing is, is that like all of these guys' civilian clothing had to be made or altered from their uniforms. You know, like he says, a lot of this stuff is is just their uniforms that have been dyed with boot polish or something. Um, you know, they're when they're escaping, like you know, Bartlett has on like a fedora hat, like that was probably made from a blanket or something. You know, so uh, stuff like that I always think is really really interesting. I think some of it, like, actually, in reality, was it, they would turn their uniforms inside out, and it would be a jacket on the inside mm-hmm. or something. Like, you know, they, they were convertibles in a way. But, yeah, you have to make do with what, with what you're given. And they could only sneak so much shit into the camps, like compasses and maps and real escape aids, files and knives and that kind of thing. But you can't fucking, 
Here's some civilian clothing. Well, I mean, the, the guy, the yeah. guy who's doing the clothing, who happens to be the guy who kind of fucks the whole thing up by getting out prematurely of the whole, um, the the guy who's like in charge of all the clothing, uh, he's showing how he's doing it, and like the 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 sheets from the bedding, which are have those stripes on them, he turns those like mm-hmm. into like lounge like a. Uh, like uh, yeah. uh, vests and coats. shit, yeah, like, short coats, yeah, little yeah. short coats, Waist, and shit. waistcoats, waistcoats, yeah, and um, so stuff like that. Just and that's stuff that would have actually happened too. That's not just movie, you know. That's uh, that's stuff they well, actually would have done. It, it's like it's a later '60s film, um, Escape from Alcatraz. It's it's, it's Alcatraz. Oh, you're talking about Al- Escape from Alcatraz? That's that's yeah. sixty. That's seventy nine when that came out. Oh, that's that late. It's, wow. it's pretty late. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Wow, but you know that shows the amazing ingenuity of of people in a situation that want to get out, you know how they, they, they chipped away at the fucking vents and they made fake vents and they made fake heads. Like those guys went to the nines Mm -hmm. and you know, it worked. So yeah, you know, people in these desperate situations, I mean, you're going to fucking figure it out, you know, or it's not going to happen. Um, Um, the the difference is that, uh, yeah. Escape from Alcatraz follows a bunch of, uh, criminals who should be in prison. <laughs> apparently, they, apparently that you know they either drowned or escaped. That's, that's knows, why I can't but. really get into movies like that because it's like these people are pieces of shit. I don't want them to escape. I I understand, <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting to look at you know how how oh of course are, I mean, of course yeah yes you know human ingenuity is fascinating yeah regardless of the individual fucking cat and there go ahead sorry dude. just while we're on it that one scene where you fuck the guy fucking the artist cuts his fingers off oh yeah probably fucking yeah, yeah. He took away Oof. his painting. Uh, yeah, that's fucking. That's a man on a mission, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Should. Well, shouldn't have gone to prison. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, don't want to get off. So on when tangent. you're when when you're there and we're visiting you, she would just be like, so <laughs> why did so I? So when go Michael to gets arrested for tax fraud, it's going to be fucking one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So. <laughs> I'd rather. I don't know if I'd rather end up there or a prison, but uh, I'll I'll throw the water cooler. So thank you. Yeah, I, okay, I want to yeah. be McMurphy. Yeah, and uh, there you go, and uh, get a lobotomy. But. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll call you Lobo. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Um, but with this movie, uh, fucking Cavendish ruins so much shit, dude. That asshole. He's the guy. He he falls on the yeah. package and uh, sets up. You know, uh, he he just basically finds an army truck and gets in it. And it's like, of course, this guy drives you to the fucking SS. You know, <laughs> like well, the- they're not they're not SS. That's that's okay. So that's one thing I want to I want to like kind of comment. All right, on. go ahead. So at the end, when they're Spoiler alert, a lot of them get executed. Mm-hmm. Won't tell you who. Um, when they're driving there, so they got Steve the McQueen. SS guys, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, they got a lot of the SS guys that are in charge of this. They have army guys doing the bidding. Not fucking realistic at all. Right. Not at all. Um, that would have been all SS guys. So In real life, if they were doing this kind of shit. The gunner was uh, was was ver- was uh, army here. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh uh, no, the the one gunner was SS. The the other guys were all oh. um, army. Huh. Yep. So it's like, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were just they the that was one moment where the filmmakers got just they didn't even notice that the color. We can recycle all these fucking yeah. helmets and uniforms like we've already used them. Let's just fucking do it. Who knows? But like. No, they'd all been SS, yeah, and because um, that's you know that that's kind of what they were doing. Like the SS, the Waffen SS was a different branch. Like people don't realize that within the SS, with the Waffen SS and the Algemeine SS, the Algemeine SS they stayed within like Germany, and they they did things that like basically like Uber police, right? If you want to look at it that way, 
Um, did really shitty shit. Well, no, like that's the only way I can really. Like no, 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 no. It's just I'm hearing Uba mention my head, and it made me laugh. Oh, he's having flashbacks to a reveille. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of trauma. You said Uber police, and all I thought was Uber for mensch, like, and it made me Joe's laugh. line from the movie. That's why we call yeah. him the Uber mensch. Uber mensch. Yeah. yeah. Some Uber mensch. Where can I watch Reveille, yeah. Michael? <laughs> uh, nowhere right um, now. <laughs> Nate, that shit beard has got to go, man. Like, trim it up. <laughs> I, it hasn't magically grown in a week to be past the point of like no return. Like what? Well, what you, no, what it, it's it's about? it's to the point where it's like because I'm well lit. Is that it? It's because I'm hideous with a well lit room. Is that what's going on? How about that? Is that better? No, it's worse. Oh, okay, uh, must be my face. No, it's the shit beard. It's like <laughs> trim that fucking thing up. Make it look good. Make it look even. Take pride uh, in your fucking shit. That takes beard. that takes effort. I know. Just like life. You get an F for effort. So. Yeah, you sound like my fifth grade teacher. That's okay. But yeah, so they would have been ass-ass. And, like, there was a lot of things that they got wrong. Like, the motorcycle shit. Like, yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's that I don't think is based on anything that ever happened. That's... V- well, you could... Brian, could, could you actually make that jump? Like, because you've seen, like, that there was, like, a cutout where he, like, turned around and came back. Could you make that jump over like seven feet of barbed wire? Depends on the hill. I mean, they, that's they, you're asking a they, lot. And that that bike he had was a heavy bike. That the Triumphs are, you know, they weigh a lot. It's a heavy. It's a heavy bike. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it depends. My NSU is like 250 pounds. It's a fucking basically it's a motorbike, and I can throw that bitch around. Um, I mean, maybe, but it, somebody just wanted to because Steve McQueen was a, was a very famous racer, and that's actually what killed him in the end because they had the early asbestos um, race suits. And, you know, that gave him cancer That 20 years from, from this film. 17 years later, he would die. Um, so they just wanted to put him in a cool racing role, you know. And he, he only didn't get to do that a lot. He did that in Bullet. He did that in Le Mans. You know, so they just were like, hey, fucking throw this guy in a motorcycle and just let him do it. Uh, so. Well, I mean, also, uh, one interesting thing, too, is that he he, he did not do the jump. Um, but no, he, he, he begged to do the jump. Like, he was adamant that he was going to do the jump and they the studio wouldn't let him and it just crushed him that he wasn't able to do that he well he was that again that juvenile kid that just wanted to get away with mm-hmm. shit you know and like at his core he's just you know he's he's almost like the uh rebel without a cause mm-hmm. you know that that type of 50s hero he was also in the sand pebbles right yeah yeah i love yeah, the sand pebbles yeah mm-hmm. i've never seen the whole the ending thing. is so clips. good it's that super long yeah. but yeah it's really good He's kind of. I'm moving up, Strauss. Cover me. He's kind of that character, though, in the movie. This like juvenile delinquent yeah. who uh, kind of becomes a good <laughs> soldier. Yeah, it's Captain Hiltz. Yeah, <laughs> which you notice he 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 kept that, and he does that again when he gets recaptured. He pulls yep. that out, like. Well, because okay, because when they captured the other guys, mm-hmm. when they captured Cavendish, right, and they're like, "Yeah, what are you doing?" Blah blah, and you lost your insignia over the past couple of years. Yes. Mm-hmm. There he could not be caught as a spy. Yeah. That's how they probably justified, you know, killing all those guys that were in civilian clothing or German military clothing. Whatever. There were seventy there were seventy six guys that escaped and they shot fifty of them. Um, because Hitler ordered them to be shot under the commando order. And the commando order was this order decree, I think in forty two or forty three, where basically they were not going to 
um, try commandos that were caught in European raids as soldiers. They were just going to shoot them as for being spies. So that was the reason that they shot 50 of the 76. The commando order was used a few other times. There was a ranger team that was doing intelligence behind the German lines in Italy, and those guys were hung. Um, it comes up a few times during the war, but that's the real reason that they uh, were killed. So it was actually it was one of the few times you could be like Madman Hitler. Literally, he was like, yeah, shoot them all. And it was under this like very sketchy idea that they had. So it wasn't the SS being like, just shoot them. You know, there was actually no. a yeah, well, reason. Yeah. And the last one died. The last guy that escaped of the 26 that lived died, I think, two or three years ago. Hmm. Um, he was captured pretty early on, but there was that's just insane that there was still was one yeah. left, you know? One thing I do know is that uh, in reality, the 50 guys, I think they were all shot separately, like uh, individually. They didn't line them up in a field and mow them down. I think they were like individually brought out and shot in the back of the head with a revolver or, so, or just a pistol or something like that. Real Gestapo Right, style. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those little changes that they do for dramatic purposes. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, what else? What else is there to say? Well, we could move on to IMFTV. Because mm. it's a classic 60s film, so it's full of MP40s. Of course. Yeah, Not in yeah. a bad way. It also, it also but, has some yeah. 98s, you know? Yeah, no, they they do a pretty good job with the German weapons. And there's a, like some cool pistols in it you don't really see. So there's one part where the it's, when they shot uh, Ashley Pitt, I swear to God, they had revolvers. The two, the one guy see. had a revolver. Yeah, yeah. so wonder what those are. A Farby sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. So run on FTB guys, and uh, oh, this page contains spoilers. The mm. <laughs> Luftwaffe. Good old candy eight. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, you know, uh, some of these places would have stuff like um, 98 AZs and things like that, you know? They, oh, yeah. in, re- in real life, um, the, they wouldn't have had 42s in the tower. Mm. They would have probably had, like, you know, ZB-26s right. and shit like that. And, that stuff I wish you know. I could see in these, in these kind of movies, you know? Right. Well, all the Polish guns went... To the Atlantic Wall, so uh, a lot of different shit. Twenty six check, <laughs> so that they would have had those fucking things no, everywhere. There were so many. They they issued VZ twenty fours to fucking I think three or four entire divisions because there were so fucking many of them, and then the Romanians also used them. They made a lot of guns. The Czechs made a lot of guns. And then you include that stupid fucking DS thirty nine that I spent an hour trying to figure out what the fuck it was when I could have just called Brian and got it immediately. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, idiot. Yeah, well, sorry. No cleaning rods there. Yeah. yeah, also the wrong sling. He's got a fucking you go sling on there. Hmm. No front sight either, or no front sight hood. Oh, uh, no, well, the, the early on ones. The, the early ones. That's fine. No cleaning rod. Three forty. Well, that's also fine, I guess. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Um, hmm. Hey. Uh. It's nice to see candidates in movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, the the sniper Mauser competition, right? Yeah, right. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> I thought it was a Model 70, but it's not. No, you can see it's a Canadian 8, but, like, it's just fucking... Every, every you know, plane rescue squad that goes into crash planes has a sniper rifle. It's to kill the pilot. Happen to yeah. be POW. Hey, Nate. Yeah, exactly, you, yeah. Uh, blow up that last picture right there where he's aiming. 
Oh, he's got a fucking, like, a really long bayonet on his ass. On his left ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a long ass bayonet. You tell the way it's hanging, like. Hmm. Pew pew pew. Oh, or sorry, Jesus uniform. Yeah. No, thanks. Yep. Templates. So I wonder who these guys, the, these specific guys here during that crash would be. Are they just some like local like National Guard type unit or something? I have no fucking yeah. clue what they were going for. Yeah. It's Plot like, device. Yeah. Good old Schmeiser. Der Schmeiser. And, you know, these are the films that made you want to buy a Schmeiser. Okay, Brian, so what's up with the, uh, okay, the collar tabs? I know the yellow is usually for, what? Yellow is flight line, so that's what you usually see for paratroopers, and then red yeah. is flak. That's what I thought, okay. Air artillery, or, yeah, yeah. or artillery. And aircraft, and and aircraft yeah. 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 These guys wouldn't have that normally, right? They no, would just be they, bare. At this point in the war, you're fucking behind, you know, a goddamn 88 because, you know, B-17. You, you're the guys that are putting the guys in the camps, basically. You know, like there's, yeah. I'm not sure if there was a certain color for a camp guard. I've never heard of it. I know that the For Luftwaffe, I don't know. But yeah, the SS I, had the brown, I know. But like, um, yeah, the SS had a certain whole system for the KZ system. But I'm not sure. And this guy's a, a flak NCO. So. Right. Yeah, he's a fucking. He's even that really quick, and then we'll go back. He's got some. He's got a. Is that a frozen? Yeah, he's like a, he's a, he's a help or a help Wound badge and everything. Yeah, he's 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 like a master sergeant. But no basically. jump badge though, which is strange. So. Well, he's a flak dude. He's not a jump. He's not a parachute. Oh, we could. There was a flak unit. There was a Luftwaffe flak unit that was at Stalingrad that got fucking destroyed. There weren't too many. There weren't too many because the ground troops really didn't get created until forty two, forty three from the mechanics. Yeah, so this guy, so. this guy could have a wound badge for sure. Like he could have gotten mm-hmm. a bomb or some shit. But like, it, um, yeah, he's, it was rare. An so iron cross. He's, like, he's like gonna have a jump guy. badge. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's not wearing his. He's not wearing his fucking first class ribbon, which is weird. I mean, they definitely were retreading guys at this point of the war. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of guys that lost legs and shit. They're like, hey, you want to go guard some fucking English people? His MP forty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Carry on, Nate. That guy says EK two on. That guy's also army. Oh wait, this yeah. is when they were capturing. Yeah, this is at the end. Yeah, yep. never mind. Yeah, they look great. Um, <laughs> and they got thirty sixes on. There's the oh, wait. Hold, go on, go up a little bit. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, I guess there's nothing wrong. Like, that's a nice original tunic. The guy closest. I love the subdued collar tabs. Yeah, the forty-three onwards, mm-hmm. the generic. Yeah. Is it MG forty-two or MG three actually? So my guess is what's on Omaha, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, giant. Yeah, every, giant watchtower every with every five 42. centimeters. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, one. I saw Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Yeah. I don't even know why you're trying to make an all Omaha movie. Haven't you seen Saving Private You know, I had a debate yeah. with someone. So after uh, the beachhead was established at Omaha, there were a number of U.S. Uh, towers like that. They're sort of like that, built for uh, traffic control and such, and uh, and communication with the, the the fleets and all that. And I've had numerous debates with people saying those are German towers. 
<laughs> in photographs. No, because Americans painted everything green. So, duh, it's not an American tower. Yeah. I mean, haven't you played Call of Duty? <laughs> that is such a... It's, it's like the, the fucking watchtowers become such a German-like, you know, thing in, in terms of World War II iconography. Well, because some, somebody sees a photo of Auschwitz, and yeah. then they're like, oh, obviously, they built those everywhere. Well, it's like it's like the 12th man. I was going to say that, yeah. That, yeah. It's like they got that giant... With oh, the fucking uh, swastika that. on the side. It's like, what the well, hell? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Michael. I mean, duh. Everyone knows that the Americans, you know, labeled their towers with a different font than the Germans. <laughs> so you're wrong. They had big white stars on them. Duh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so everyone can see what they are. Uh, I can't even see it with straight face. <laughs> the scene where they kill the German officers is pretty great. You know, yeah. it, it's a little cheesy, but it's it is. That's cool. I, I, but that's kind of shit that they actually would pull. Though. That's I, I think it's entire. hilarious though that like the the owner of the bar right after it happens, he and his other guy like have a drink. It's like I'd be getting the fuck yeah. out of there. Some German police yeah. unit that's really pissed off is about to show up. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. And you said this is an MG three because of this stuff, right? No, because of the rate of fire. It's like it's half what it should be. They basically. There was a problem during the war with runaway MG42s, and the way that they figured they fixed it was they had a harmonic balancer that they would put inside the bolt. And the German, the 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 Third Reich engineers experimented with it, but they never really got it pat down. And then the MG3 was the one that perfected it. And there's literally a counterweight that goes back and forth on the bolt every time you shoot. Hmm. And they had different weights and things, and there were three variations, longer and shorter. Um, so if you take that out of the MG3, you get a more similar rate of fire to a 42, but you know then you have an unstable machine gun. <laughs> Right. So and that's the last thing you want to do. That's a horrible place to put a forty-two, by the way, on a fucking spare tire, <laughs> <laughs> on a shitty tripod. Yeah, yeah, and, and the because there's two positions on thirty-fours and forty-twos to mount the tri- the bipod. Um, yeah, do you know what that's for? Uh, what? Do you know why they they have a closer bipod mount? Why? Bunkers. Mm. This way, you have a shorter point to, to pivot instead of having a longer point. So if you're in a fixed position, it's better to put it on the lower one. You really don't see it done during the war, but that was the idea, is mm. that you know, you could, it, it just makes it more sense. The, the 42 doesn't have two connector points, right? Only one connector point, right? No, it's got two. Does I've seen, two? Uh, yeah. I, every time I've seen one Third. being used in a tow brook, that's, how they, that's where the tripod is. It's right, I, I, thought, I thought maybe, yep. I thought maybe the... Um, uh, I, I couldn't remember if the 42 had two two points of contact for the bipod. Yep, it's got either. another okay. little. They're very the the four the 34s are annoying because you like have to do a clip and twist it around. Yeah, it's track. that it's that it's but that it's that clip release. The yeah. the 42s are just a button you push and then you push it down a little. It's very it's very easy, very nice, mm. very you know very forward thinking. But yeah, they have two positions on 42s. Mm. All 42s, 53s, MG3s, MG42s. Gotcha. Deluga. Yeah, the only sidearm carried by the German military in World War II. Oh, yeah. Yep. Not every single gun made before 1945. Hiltz is lucky to have gotten someone who had one of those. A Loga. That's kind of cool. A private, nonetheless. Yeah. The cool thing is that you do see uh, a difference. You, do, you don't just see Lugers in the movie, which I did notice that. There was, yeah, yeah the Mauser later on. Yep. Yeah. A PP. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. Shoots that guy. The the, the yeah. one the one I saw that I really thought was something you don't so see real. that much is the uh, the the thirty four, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. You don't see that. Yeah, that that's much. A, oh, that's a Kriegsmarine one in the photo. How do you know? That's yeah, a well, it's funny because of the my father the, the just bought print one. or what? 
Yeah, the M. Oh, okay. My father just bought one recently, and I was like, oh, shit, that's the gun you just bought. He was like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they look so distinctive. The exposed barrel and everything. Um, when Mike and I were doing that live stream, we had uh, the, the other guy um, had a long-ass barrel modified one, which was very interesting. I gave it. Which was, <laughs> which, and he actually won it, which was funny. Well, there's the, there's the 10s, the 14s, and the 34s. They all look pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about them, but they're they're very interesting. A lot of the 34s were used in the Second World War that were by the uh, Kriegsmarine, and most of the ones you find today are fake Kriegsmarine guns, but mm. they had the Eagle M. Um, I did notice there were some kind of anti-aircraft guns at the airfield. I don't know if they were Orlick. I think there were 34s on a fucking... Okay. Mm. I don't think there was anything like fancy, like any like, you know, 20 millimeter or shit. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's got a good deal of guns for occupied Europe. I mean, there's no Thompsons, there's no Garands, there's no, there's Obviously. no British weapons. I mean, you know, it's it's nice to see all German stuff inside, um, you know, I, a film set in Germany. Yeah, one little de- again, I li- this is one of the only films where I have seen like you know uh, the German home front during World War II, and uh, I when uh, they're on the train, Ashley Pitt holds up a newspaper that he's reading, and I translated the headline on it, and it said like uh, day for, day after day, yeah. Day after day, uh, yeah, more bloodshed by the Soviets or yep. something like that. Oh, that's you know? pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. I was like, that's um, kind of cool. I-, I was waiting for the scene where they go to the concert and they sing Mind Klein is Hearts, but that never happened. So <laughs> <laughs> the modern, you know, the modern depiction of Nazi Germany, what it was like. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was yeah, it's just such a good movie, you know, and it holds up so well for, again, being this is the 60th anniversary of it coming out. It's damn good. It's damn oh, good. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's... Nate, Again, the acting is fucking superb, and like, they got the point across. And like, here's the thing: is not everything goes right with mm-hmm. their plan. Like, no, no, not this thing. Shit falls apart. It's like, oh, they found the fucking tunnel we've been working on for so long. Yeah, putting well, all our effort into fuck. They, they get shit fucked up during the big escape. You know, like it all gets right. fucked. Oh, we're we're twenty feet short. Yeah. <laughs> all right, send down thirty feet of rope. Okay. Yep. Like, I like how they, I like how they actually like. The only question is, like, why the fuck? Okay, send down 33 feet of rope. Like, they just do it, you know? It's like, that's mm-hmm. what you do. If they ask you, like, you fucking doing it. Yeah, other than he says that, he's like, what the devil do they want that for? How the hell should I know? Get the rope. Yeah, get the, get the <laughs> rope. Get the rope. You don't have to, you can't ask questions, dude. Fuck nope, it. just get the fucking rope. And they did. And, you know, here's the thing is, like, so they said they brought 11 back. They shot 50. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's 61 people. That they've got accounted for. Well, fifteen got the fuck away. Three escaped in the end. And yeah, twenty, uh, twenty, whatever got back back to the camp. And in this movie, they the said three, eleven. They said eleven were coming back. In the movie, in the movie, but reality, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Well, they no. do in the movie. They also show only three who got away safely. It was Danny, Willie, and then uh, Sedgwick. Right. Those yeah. are the only actual uh, success. There's that one funny scene with the Aussie too, where they're like, "Please don't speak French." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, don't destroy it. No. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can understand English. Like, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. And it, it's funny. It came out on, uh, what do you call it? Fourth uh, of July, nineteen sixty-three. Oh, nice. perfect. So, yeah. How appropriate. Mm-hmm. Every time Nate, you get up and walk, I just imagine like a whole bunch of shit is going to fall. Like that's just what it seems like. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be know, like it, it's gonna be like Uncle Buck's. The, the panel falls down and it's a bunch of RAF guys digging a tunnel. And they just, 
I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not too far off. I got a no. leaning tower of fucking bullshit in my. I just imagine like you know Uncle Buck's closet when he tries to pull the bag it's out. It's a little bit like, like that. I, mean, I, I have a bin in front of me that's full of like random shit. I gotta, I gotta list and do all this mm -hmm. stuff. And so right now, yeah, right now it's a fucking current mess. Yeah. It's full of Nate's used cock rings he's selling. So if you guys are interested, <laughs> used cock rings, you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> used that's that's yep. the key part I, yeah, why did true. that why did that sound so fucking genuine God damn it. Like, I mean, i'll, rings, I'll fucking said? take him for a ride when the rubber yeah. starts to split he's got to get rid of him yeah. Yeah. i'll take him for a ride i'll try to get him around the fucking you can put him on your balls. fist now it's a ribbed for his pleasure uh, but, um, oof oof pearl beaded prolong ring <laughs> Ah. We... No. Oof. Not I good. Even, I don't even know well. where you, I don't even know. I only want to know how you learned how to say those words together. Here's the thing, God. Nate. Don't ask. Don't ask. Damn. Just, just, just fucking. Well, just... Nate's gonna have the, the great escape from the podcast. I lived right in now, LA so. for four years, Nate. Oh. Well, but the internet yeah. still exists wherever you live. So, like, yeah. you ever seen a fucking eight of prolapse, Nate? Well, I'll tell you how to get to there. Ugh. You know, you ever see a grown man naked? Yeah. You like movies about Turkish prisons? <laughs> you, you ever been inside a Turkish prison? <laughs> you ever been to a basketball game, Jimmy? Oh, <laughs> airplane, Jesus. cute. Fucking, airplane is so fucking, good. Fucking, it's so fucking. Fucking, let's shit. wrap this motherfucker up so I can erase that from my mind. So Nate, your your uh, the thumbnail is going to be for the Great Escape is going to be like the poster, but with cock rings, you know, uh, photoshopped in. So. It's the great escape, but fucking Steve McQueen does anal. <laughs> oh, well, the great escape is what happens after you use. Yeah, one hey, of the we saw he's a, he, yeah. we saw he likes to receive. He is a catcher, so can we fucking move this along? <laughs> oh, well, come on, have, Bucko! I think we've made it to final thoughts. Okay, yeah, All right. Brian Cockring, fucking no, no, no. That's Nathan. That, come on, anal you know, prolapse, fucking... Michael. Yeah, so <laughs> Jesus Christ, Nate, you left your cock rings in my house. Oh God, um, no! How am I supposed to out. fit this fucking thing on? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. You lead us there off. There probably tonight. has been a, the great escape porno. I mean, uh, you know, like, I don't want to know. All right, hold on. <laughs> no, hold on. no, I don't. I don't want to taint my my uh, your my, childhood. My childhood. No. no. Fuck stick. Don't look that up. Don't even. What are you doing? Tom, Dick, and Harry are a whole new meeting. Yep, yeah. there is. Yep, there is. There is something. <laughs> it's called the Gray Escape, and no, I'm not clicking on it. But there is. Yeah, why? There, there is. A, there is. Hey, a look, you category. got a Trojan for free. Yeah, there is a category there. So. So anyway, now that Nathan's used up all of my chest time, <laughs> um, I'm uh, fucking off. done. Like, <laughs> That's oh, is... so looking up. Looking at Grey Escape pornos, what did you have? But not the word anal prolapse. It's a medical term, Nathan. <laughs> no, he just hasn't had one yet. Ugh. But uh, oh god! <laughs> All right, let's just let, this is this is getting Tiguchi territory. Is <laughs> it, it's bad. And it's instead devolving. of talking about the Civil War, we're talking about anal prolapses. Like, what, let's not do this. This. Is, this is tragic because this is a great film, and I think we all can agree that it is a oh, great a film. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think this got botched, but... <laughs> in, uh, no, we've been fairly on subject. What are you talking about? You're I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being silly. I'm not being silly. It's, you're going to have a hell of a time editing, Nathan. It's been fun. 
Look, I made yeah. I made Gandhi f relevant, so you know. We've said. Oh, you gotta. You gotta I know. I said it on purpose. Uh, but he did. <laughs> no one's look denying at, did, that, Mike. Okay, just really quick <laughs> well, before no, we no, do no, this. No, really no, quick, Brian, really quick. No, did you Brian, look that no. up? I'm gonna be censoring it. Did you look that up? No. Did you yes or no? And I'll, no. I'll stop. No. Okay, look it up. Okay. 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 <laughs> Brian, go ahead. So yeah, you can say a lot about this movie, but it's just really good at the end of the day. It holds up very well after 60 years. And you know, for a movie that they played like all the time at AMC back in the day, like when they used to actually like have military days for Memorial Day and Veterans Day and everything, you know, it's a great film. And I just, I love it for what it is. And there's just so much in it that I want to emulate with films that I want to make in the future. Um, so yeah, I really can't build on what we said. Like if you haven't seen it, you live under a rock or you live in Maryland, apparently. Um, <laughs> if you haven't read the book, you really need to read it because it's really good or or whatever. Like it's just awesome all around. It's just an incredible story. It's a very good adaption of an incredible story. And, uh, you know, it's a sixties film, but it holds up very well. So that being said, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10, you know, the, I could, you know, give it a little shit for here and there for like whatever cinematography, not being the most advanced or something, but it's just amazingly solid film and you will always enjoy it. You will always find something new and it's always worth your time. It's like the big Lebowski. You know, it's like you, <laughs> How many movies have we said it? that about? <laughs> well, I, I just mean the style of it where it's like, you know, you watch it, you get sucked in and it's hard to look away. You know, yeah, there's yeah. just so many good scenes in it because, Oh, you get to the Cooler King, you get to that. Like, it's just awesome. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. And that being said, I'd love to know your score, Michael. Yes! Um, sorry. Well, apparently I, Nate does, too. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I fixed something. It made me happy. What so, the fuck he just found, found a fucking tunnel. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm just going to go right into it. Um, so, yeah, the uh, this movie is one of my favorites. Uh you know, so I saw it when I was a little kid. This is a movie that, like, if I had a son, uh, I would show him this movie at a young age because it is like it is so entertaining and so cool and uh, just you know really just. Uh, for, I remember when I was a kid, like this movie was just so inspiring to me on so many levels. You know, maybe want to know more about the subject matter, and I'm someone who likes to build shit and stuff like that. So it was like it made me want to build a tunnel and and all this crap. Um, it's uh it's great for like for younger people and um and it, well it's great for anyone but uh it's such an interesting story and this is such a great way it's done i can't really say i mean yeah i can i can talk about little dumb things that we were mentioning a little bit here and there but uh, on an overall uh, overall it's just perfect from the writing directing the acting um it is, though, a story because this is, again, it is based on a true story. And the actual story, this is a fictional version of that. So these people are all like fictionalized versions of actual people. This is something to where I would probably want to see a like really historically accurate version of it in terms of the actual people involved and all that stuff. Maybe seeing it in the middle of winter and how they did all that. Um and uh, I've never seen the made-for-TV sequel, but uh, there is one. Oh, I didn't and, even know there was one. Yeah, from Christ. the 80s. It's called uh, The Great Escape, The Untold Story. It's with Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and uh, Dude, it, it, <laughs> if there's a made-for-TV sequel on anything, look You're at the not, Dirty yeah. Dozen series. That's pretty hilarious, yeah, the, the fact that those movies exist. But I've never seen it, so I can't say it's shit or whatever, but I'm sure it's nothing memorable, unlike this movie, which is, like, just... Again, I could watch this any day. You know, I could watch it any time, any day. Um, 
super entertaining, uh, great cast, great characters. Uh, I loved it. I got to give it a perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I, I'm not judging you when I say yeah. this, but why didn't Master and Commander get a 10 out of 10 to you? But you're judging him. I am. I, I, I'm just uh, curious. I will, why did you vote for Trump? I don't he, care, but I just want to know lying. why you voted for Trump. He's I need lying. to know why. I, I need I need a list right no, here. No, 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 no. I just I'm just I I am okay. Honestly, it, it Nate, might be a little yeah. it might be a little biased with this comment, but why It's all here black and white. But why but why <laughs> did but why did Master and Commander get an 8.5? Honestly, Nate, because this is a movie from my childhood. It is like a okay. movie that okay. I that, that's, love. That's, yeah. I missed that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally yeah. understandable. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if if someone wants to say, "Oh, that's a dumb reason for you know," no, not at all. Like, it's like, it's I, like, no, it. Yeah. I, I gave April 9th a ten out of ten. Like, I'm yeah, not, yeah, it, you exactly. know, I'm not going to judge. I just was curious because I I didn't have that information. I, right. So that's totally understandable. I just yeah, was it's thinking on it's historical a, context. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I could we could go through and like pick apart like, oh, this isn't right. This isn't right. right. But it's a movie yeah. that like. I love so much, and all the good kind of outweighs the bad very drastically. I got you. Yeah, uh, no in terms of my perspective. But uh, all right, so on that note, um, I think I'll uh, I'll pass it on to... <laughs> Shit, that way. <laughs> that one right there, yeah. Nate. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm not looking at you. That um, one. Yeah, I mean, like, I again, I think I'm the only one who uh, doesn't have the nostalgia uh, tie to it because I, I never really watched this until now. So um, I guess – but I, I think it's good to have that overall. I mean, again, I, I think, you know, it being a 1960s movie, like I said, I think it does – it is in its box. Um, but it is surprisingly very well done in terms of the length of it. I wasn't bored. I was very engaged through the whole thing. It's two hours. But what about the girth? Four, so it's like a cheese wheel. It's almost um, three hours long. It's almost yeah. three hours yeah. long, right? Like, there's a little, there's a few points where I'd be like, uh, okay, how much longer do I have? But it's not like I'm bored. It's just like, did I, is it going to end like abruptly? Like, I was waiting for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's not bad. Um, I liked everything with it, you know, it being 1960s, uh, you know, everything I talked about, cinematography, really enjoyed the, the, the time of it, the, the time period it was filmed in allows us to have more opportunities to have like real practical effects, real practical settings, real practical sets. Like it's cool. It, it's very cool to see that. And, um, you know, uh, but it is a pinnacle of its time in that sense, but it I don't, I don't find it, it hinders it. But I'm probably going to be the lower value three, only because I don't have that nostalgia. But I'm going to give it a eight point five out of ten. Scream Mel Gibson. There we go. Cool. It's a mighty Mel's. It's a mighty Mel. Mighty Mel decibel. Good score. Yeah, I I, and I don't like. I normally don't like nineteen sixties movies. Like. That's why I I say it's a good score. I'm not. I'm not saying that facetiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For you to give a sixties movie an eight point five. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Fucking, that, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So this is one of these films, like with Michael and Brian. Like, I think Michael and I like were along the same lines. Like, I saw it when I was like fucking eight, nine years old, and I acquired it from my cousin, uh, the two VHS box set, and um, 
I literally wore those tapes out. Was this it is two, one of the f- was it two tapes? I, I never saw them. Yeah, it's two ta- two tapes in a box set. Oh wow, okay. Yep, and the intermission starts right after um right after um um Ives goes up on the wire and all that shit. Gotcha, yeah. That that's a nice that in- interlude. <laughs> yep, it's an intermission. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, and then the second one started off, you know, in the camp, whatever when Steve's Steve McQueen's trying to escape. After it's basically after Steve says, All right, I'll do it, basically. Right, yeah. Um and um yeah, so anyway, I wore those tapes out and then would rent it from the library. <laughs> so destroy their tapes. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> I got charged for it. Or my, my parents got charged for it. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Yeah, this is one of those this is one of those few films when I was a kid that I like wore the fucking tapes out completely. Yeah. <laughs> and um just would watch it over and over again just have it on in the background when I was playing like army men or gi joes and then they always tell michael like the kids in the neighborhood and i they would all watch it too and like we would literally like <laughs> get like a briefcase or some kind of like pack or whatever and just go walk around the neighborhood like we, we were escaped <laughs> fucking pow's it was it was the most it was the most like cringe shit you could think of but we did that i mean, and, I mean uh, that's the equivalent of, of of taking lightsabers around the neighborhood to do you're fine I used to do Robin Hood and beat each other with fucking sticks, because, like Little John. Well, like explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's uh, living for you, but like, um, yeah, it's no. So it's one of these things that again, it's very nostalgic, and also uh, when you were asking the you know yesterday, like, does it hold up? And I hadn't watched it again, and then I watched it today. It does hold up. Um, it's it's something that you know. I think th- uh, again, this is in my top five all-time favorite films mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like war movies or not, like ever. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm very biased, and I think I've told you guys this, but like the acting is so good. Like the just everything. Like you know, the the little exchange when you know Werner is sitting in there before he gets his wallet jacked, and then you know he's just like, "Oh, you're a Boy Scout? Yeah, I had 19 merit badges. I had 20." Well, I was working, you know, just little things like that were just fucking awesome in the writing. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like, you know, Brian's the, the big Lebowski, but like also with that, it was also very stick to the fucking script. No improv mm-hmm. stick, stick to it. This is what you're doing. And that's the same with this film is like, it was very, this is the script. This is what's written. We've done all the research. You're going to fucking do it this way. And they did. And all the actors, even though like, a lot of them were pretty prominent at, the, at that time. Some of them weren't as prominent, but they were about to be. They all fucking delivered 100%, I think. I mean, 100%. And it was just good. And yes, again, the technical issues, but like they weren't... Dude, for a fucking early 60s film, holy shit, did they do a good job. Mm-hmm. Like the uniforms, the the insignia, the, the weapons. Okay, very good. Because you look at other shit from that time, even though they're really good, like it's just like, oh, fuck. There's so many technical issues. Um, okay, that, and then the fact that they actually did as much research as possible. Yes, there were some things wrong, but they actually modeled that camp, and that camp looked exactly like it did in real life. And it's like, okay, you put that much research in that far back. All these things, just like you said, you didn't get bored. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like... Because it's, it's like 
you pay attention to everything and it flows very well. It flows very smoothly. Okay, this is why they're doing this. And then it leads up and then it's like, oh, let down. Okay, next time, you know, we'll just get over this. We'll, we'll recover. Yeah, so it's like that. And yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obviously like, it's a very biased score, but it's also a very accurate score, I think. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 as well. Nice. So putting all the scores into the calculator to see if we actually will break out of Stalag Loop 3, we get a score of 9.37. So I think it actually, I think it might be points one of a point higher than Master and Commander. Mm. I have to double check. Damn it, Nick, you had to give it an eight. They're on the same level, to be honest. (laughs) They're on the same fucking level. Oh, for sure. I changed my score. 8.4. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> oh. No, what's he, this, you... Want me to, no, you want me to fly there right now and rip that let, fucking let old me, bay hat off your fucking let nasty me, let skull? Me see, let me see. Let me, let me see what Master and Commander got. Let me check my fucking thing. The one thing I forgot to mention is that this film probably has the or one of the best soundtracks ever. Of course, yeah. And one of the most iconic well. ever. Yeah. Dude, it, it's never going to be out of my head. It never is. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, whenever I'm on my bike, randomly pops in my head. I hadn't watched it in like six or eight years, possibly, and it still is like every fucking day. Whenever I'm on my German bike, it's really hard for me not to like think of the scenes with Steve McQueen. Yeah, are you trying to do your New England accent because it's really coming through right now? Whatever the fuck you're doing, I'm just tired. Okay, there you go. Because it's really coming through. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, no, it's what was the score? Nine point three seven. Oh, Master and Commander's got a 9.6. So there you go. Oh, damn. Shit. Yeah. So. Well, if you go back in time, this one's higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you go forward in time, the other one's higher. Yeah. No, they're, they're both. But, um, they're both they're, equally. They're I mean, I'm, I joke, but I, I, I equally enjoyed this. I excellent mean, films, both yeah. of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the best war movies ever made, hands mm-hmm. down. And if you haven't seen it, like I said, you live under a rock or you live in Maryland. Like, please watch this. And uh, it's great for so many reasons. And also, I would just like to say thank you guys for helping us get to 50 episodes. It's been a hell of a journey, you know, to get this off the ground and, and keep it going. And we really love all the, the viewership and all the feedback and everything we get back. And, uh, yep. you know, we do this to have fun, but we also do this for you, you know. And it's uh, it's been fun. And, you know, this is the 50 of, of something that I really feel like we can, you know, do a few hundred episodes of. So thanks for being there for the ride. And uh, as always, if you guys have any suggestions or recommendations for any films, hit us up. You know, or find us Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And uh, you know, this is this is a community thing, and we really just love giving our opinions. And uh, that being said, you know, don't look at me. I'm just a lifeguard. So anyway, we'll uh, catch you guys next time. I did. I, did. I forgot about that line. I like that line. That, li- that line made me laugh. I'm watching yeah. him. I'm a lifeguard. Yeah. Oust. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.